Thank you for tuning in. This is the Fit Minute Podcast, where we talk all things health, fitness, and lifestyle. And now for the show. I'm your host, Gabby Mazar, and on today's episode, I have Dana Frosch. She is a body, mind, and spirit alchemist. She coaches women to optimal health. Welcome to the show today. Thank you, Gabby. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes. So tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what you do. Yeah. Okay, Gabby. So um, I am, I have many different roles that I play, but I am a Midwesterner at heart. I was born and raised in the Midwest. I had a gypsy spirit. I was able to to move and live abroad for 10 years with my family. So that's a little bit of a prefacing. I live both in Chicago and Miami Beach. Um, So my work, I started out as a social worker by education. And then, you know, we moved abroad and we, we left the U.S. with three children. And while we were living in Brazil, we had always had this vision to adopt. And so we ended up adopting two children while living in Brazil. And through the adoption, I decided to hire a life coach and just to help me with the transition. And it was so transformational for me that instead of pursuing you know, a higher degree beyond my bachelor's, I decided to do my coach training. So I started as a life coach while living abroad in 2000 and end of 2006, beginning of 2007. And um, the process was so transformational for people that and they, these women were making big life changes. And so I did my master coach training with the same, it's Dr. Martha Beck is who trained me as a life coach. And so I've had this coaching practice for, you know, since then a number of years, um, fast forward, we returned to the U S and I'm kind of going into my story, but just to kind of preface you, I've been back in the U S since 2000, the end of 2008, we went to Switzerland for six months in between South America and returning to the U S and, um, and I would love to share my health story, but once we returned to the U.S. a few years later in 2011, I had a health crisis, which really took me down this journey of a healing journey. Um, and then because of that, I started studying nutrition from the functional lens. And that's when I added the health coaching component um, into my practice. So, so I've been in I've been in the field for a number of years. Before we get into the nutrition part and the health crisis, what made you decide to go to a life coach in the first place when you were in Brazil? That's such a great question because you know back then it wasn't it wasn't as well known. When I became right. a life coach, people were like, "What are what is that?" and you know, there was an education piece to, you know, to explain exactly what a life coach is. Well, I had a friend, um, a very dear friend who had done her coach training and she was a life coach. And she said, as I was sharing with her, some of my challenges in the adoption process, she said, you should hire me. Like you should like the tools that I'm using, they're really going to help you. And I, it was expensive Gabby, because we did not have the internet. Yes, we had, it was different. It was a different world back then. I was calling from Brazil to the U S so I had like phone fees and I basically could afford to meet with her once a month. And I will tell you, I did my, I did my work. I showed up, I listened, I took on the tools, I did the work, and then we would meet again in a month. And it really was, it made a profound impact in my life. I, 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 I felt, um, even though it was a really challenging time, 
I felt my own power internally um, to really rise up and also just to metabolize the, the transition and the changes in my own life. So that's why I hired one. I had yeah, you you needed help. <laughs> yes, I yeah. think we all need help at some point. We all need help all the time, right? But I don't think we we decide to get help is the problem, and then we kind of get into this place where we're, you know, up a creek and we don't know where we're going or what what direction we need, and and then until we're in dire need, and and then it's we're in a really bad place, right? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so. You're in the U.S. now. Um, you have your your life coaching certificate. You have four kids at this point, right? And then five, five. five kids at this point. Five. And now you go through this health crisis. Tell us, tell us that story. Yeah. What happened? Um, what What were you going through? Yeah. So I I want to preface that. There was this decade before that in that that adoption transition and you know stress is really how we read what's happening in our life because two people can have the same experience and their mind body system reads it very bio individual is what i like to say and so my you know the reading what how i was translating the things that we were going through as a family and even just moving. I mean, an international move is a really big life event. So we went from Brazil where we had lived. We were in Latin America for 10 years. We were in Brazil for eight years. We loved Brazil. We loved the culture. And then we moved to Switzerland. And it, honestly, it just wasn't a good fit. It wasn't a good fit for our family. Um, and it was very stressful. Um, and so, you know, I, the, the things, and then we moved back to the U S and when we moved back to the U S there was a lot of heavy lifting because I had raised an international family. And so then we were coming back to the U S where, you know, most of us were Americans, but we had a real reverse culture shock experience. And my husband was gone a lot of the time working. And so there was heavy lifting just to help the family adapt to their home in the U S and, so, you know, there were several things like adoption is a big life event. These international moves are big life events, moving back to the U.S. where you think it's your home. But I had never lived in Chicago and, and I felt very foreign, like the way I did life with my family was very different than how other people were doing life with their families. And so, you know, there was this stress and there were signals that my body gave me over that 10 year period, like a cough that I couldn't, you know, a cough that took me to the emergency room. That's, you know, that was the vagus nerve. That was my nervous system, just feeling that stress um, that, and I just didn't, I wasn't consciously aware how to metabolize the, what, how my body was dealing with the stress that I was under. Um, so, you know, fast forward, we're living back in the U S you know, we're doing, we're doing life. So we moved back the very end of 2008 and 2011, I can remember being really tired. So at that time, my oldest daughter was a senior in high school. Um, and my, then I had like, they're about two years apart. So, um, you know, there was a lot going on in my life. And if we talk about like, you are the, you're a fitness podcast, right? So 
it's about fitness. And I've always believed in fitness. Well, I was doing a boot camp every morning at 5:30. And and I was, you know, I love the boot camp, but actually later what I would learn, it was working against me because I was already tired. You know, I didn't need that hard workout. And I find that most women, they go too hard when they mm -hmm. think they're taking care of themselves, they work too hard. So I thought I'm taking care of myself. So I have this just so you know, like I'm doing the boot camp, I'm I'm coaching, I'm working, I'm, you know, taking care of my family. And I'm feeling this fatigue and I just think it's stress. You know, my daughter graduates from high school. We take this family trip to Turkey. And I remember, Gabby, I remember so many times when we were traveling, I was behind my family. I was tired and I was like, oh, can we just sit? I just want to rest for a few minutes. And that that's not, that wasn't me. That's not like my typical way of wanting to rest every few minutes, but I couldn't keep up. And I still didn't get, maybe something's wrong. So we go back, but I would just share that, you know, so that the listeners know, because I think for women, so many times we, we don't listen to some of those cues, even though I was a coach and I knew the body, I teach, I taught, I still teach the body compass, but there are so many things that we chalk up to stress and we think, oh, we'll deal with that later. And that's where I was. Cause I was very busy. So, um, one day in July in 2011, I took, I had a friend visiting with her children. We took this beautiful walk to the beach and I literally couldn't keep up with her. I sent her on ahead of me and I said, I'll meet you at home. I'm just going to take my time. I get, it's a hot summer day. We get home, we go to a museum with, with our children. We come home. I'm really hungry. And I just am so focused. I'm going to get guacamole before we make dinner. And I stabbed my finger with a knife. I stabbed in between my index and middle finger with a knife and slit right in the middle so I did what a lot of women do. I'm like, I want to feed everybody first. I'll go to the ER to, to, you know, to fix this later. This is very common. I'm not alone mm -hmm. in this sentiment. Mm -hmm. So I did just that. I, I taped it up. I fixed it all up. I finished. I made the guacamole. We all wait. And I'm like, oh, let me just call the emergency room and see if they're busy. This is, these are the things that women do. We're so focused on other people. Um, and so I called the ER. They're like, no, we're not busy. So I go over to the ER and my heartbeat. So, you know, when you go into ER, you have your intake nurse. Mm -hmm. That's the first stop. You stop with the intake nurse. She takes my, she does all the vitals. My heartbeat is 36 beats per minute, which is way too low for mm -hmm. your average woman. At the time I was 45, I'm 56 now, way too low. And she is concerned. And so at that point, the finger is nothing, you know, I needed a tetanus shot. They quickly did that, but the cardiology team came in and trying to figure out what was happening. So I was admitted to the hospital and eventually just to fast forward, they ruled everything out and it was a worn out body part. The electrical conduction of my heart had simply worn out and there was no reason other than, you know, as you would find in a 70, 80 year old woman, but our body parts do wear out. So they implanted the pacemaker and my electrophysiologist said, you are going to feel like your old self again, but I didn't, I was still just as tired. So at that point, my pay, my, my heart was pacing. So there was no danger, but I was still just as tired. And he said, the electrophysiologist said, it's in your head. You're fine you know, this is just, you know, 
everything's fine. This is in your head. You just need to calm down. But I was like, internally, I knew that that wasn't really the case. I knew myself too well. So I went searching online to figure out. And, and I did, I did, by the way, you know, I was admitted to the hospital. So they did all those labs. So I could see that I was pre-diabetic. So I went to the endocrinologist in conventional medicine. They don't do a lot for pre-diabetes and I, but because diabetes is a strong gene, every adult in my, on my father's side has it. And then it moves into adult onset diet obesity. And I had started gaining weight at that point too. So I was, I was just curious for myself that something's just not quite right. And um, I wasn't satisfied with what the electrophysiologist said. I knew that there was more. So I started reading about diet and I found a book, When the Heart Speaks by a, card a female cardiologist. And that's where that book really resonated with me because she talked about there are these emotional connections when your heart isn't working functional functionally, even if it's cholesterol, like there, these emotions impact the function of the heart. And it's a real invitation to look at what is going on. So in that book, she introduced a um, breathing techniques. It's actually a research out of California called heart math. It's just like it sounds heart plus the word math. And they have researched the impact of heart rate variability. That's the electrical conduction of your heart, right? So that was my issue. They researched heart rate variability and the emotional connections because of the heart brain connection through the vagus nerve. And, you know, they have created these breathing techniques that you can actually see on a device that you get the feedback by looking at now it's app based. So you can look at the app and you can see your heart rate variability based on their breathing techniques. And they give you cues if your breathing is matching the breathing, you know, the, the, the breathing technique that you can actually moderate your heart rate variability and bring coherence to your heart rate variability using your breath. So I was introduced to heart math and that really resonated with me. I immediately bought the device. I started learning about it, training on a daily basis. So that was like one step of learning from me and understanding, I started making that connection between my heart and this decade of the things that were happening in my life, but I still was tired. So I went looking for different doctors and they did take me through another round of um, exams with a cardiology team and everything else was functioning fine. Six months later, I found an internist, an integrative internist who sat down with me and let me tell my whole story. She asked me lots of questions. She did. Um, so she learned, she heard what's, who is this person before me and what's happened in their life and where are they today? And then she said, let's do some labs. So she uncovered gut dysbiosis, a parasite, um, adrenal fatigue, and then together we decided what's the, what strategy do you want to take? These are your options. Here's a banquet of options. What choose one, choose one strategy and do one strategy for a while. And then let's see, besides, you know, we took care of the parasite and we took care of, um, we did some gut repair. And so I started, I started really healing the fatigue, the deeper level fatigue by healing the gut, by doing, I chose acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine. And 
the system started coming back to homeostasis. My hormonal issues, I was perimenopausal. My hormonal issues started, I would say I was still perimenopausal, but I wasn't having the symptoms. And I started bringing back homeostasis to my mind body system, the mind body through the heart math and that making that connection and then bringing the physical body along with it through the gut healing and you know, just Chinese, traditional Chinese medicine, getting the energy system in my body also functioning optimally. So, um, I will pause. I've just said a lot. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you, that was a lot. I have so many things to say about it. <laughs> like so yeah. many things. I, I feel I have experienced so much of that same thing with my own health journey. Um, not to say that Western medicine does not is not help. I think it is is very essential. Um, but I have experienced the same kind of treatment with a lot of doctors where they look at your labs and say, you're fine. You're fine. Mm -hmm. Everything's fine. Your numbers look fine. Everything's fine when I'm not fine. And I have chosen myself mm -hmm. never, never to go see an endocrinologist again out of my own choice. I don't, that is not for everybody. Um, and I don't, I don't recommend it for everybody. I recommend everybody mm -hmm. choose their own path for myself. I have been to a number of endocrinologists. I will personally never go to one again because of my experience with them. Um, I feel that I have been treated as a, not a patient, not a person, but as numbers on a page. And it is very frustrating because as you said, no one asks you about where you've been. What's your story? How are you feeling? What's been going on in your life? No, no doctor sits down and takes that time with you. I, the, the last endocrinologist I went to and why I will never go again. I was in the office from the moment I walked in, paid, sat down, saw the nurse, saw the doctor and walked out and sat in my car. I was there for 15 minutes and I oh. cried. I sat in my car and cried because I was at a point where I was so low. I had been on thyroid medication for at this point three years now and still felt mm -hmm. so terrible. Mm -hmm. And it, it's, it's sickening because you, you are at a point where you feel your worst you mm -hmm. feel awful and you are telling this person, I do not feel good. And they are shoving medicine at you or they are telling mm -hmm. you are you, you're fine. Nope. Everything looks fine. Everything looks fine. And you are telling them I am not fine. This is not normal. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's not normal. It's not mm -hmm. normal to feel that way. Mm -hmm. And one thing you said was when you went and read, you know, something by a female doctor. And what's interesting is that a lot of studies are done on men. A mm -hmm. lot of they're, they're getting better, but a lot mm -hmm. of studies are done on men. They're not done on women. So I don't know mm -hmm. that there's necessarily that heart connection. I don't know mm -hmm. that, but I do know that even though our bodies are the same, 
our physiology is the same, you know, we all have the same systems, except, you know, reproductive, obviously, but we don't necessarily react the same to certain drugs. We don't have the same um, emotional reactions. Obviously, our hormones are mm -hmm. different. So we have to treat things differently because we are still different. Even though when you come down to it, humans are humans, men and women are different. Uh, emotionally, you know, reproductively, hormonally, we are different. So it's, I thought it was interesting that you did find that and that the heart math is something that resonated with you. And it's, it doesn't, it doesn't go past me that it was a woman that, that, you know, did that. Um, well, the, let me clarify. So the book was written by a female cardiologist. Okay. But HeartMath is a research Institute and Doc Childre is the person who founded the research Institute. So HeartMath isn't necessarily guy. There are men and women. I mean, it's been sure. around for decades, it's right. been around for decades, but I just wanted to clarify that book that I read was a female cardiologist. Right. Um, but heart math is not really, it was founded by a male, but there are men not and women the, on their team. Right, right. Not saying that it's it's men and women, that it's different. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. just, you know, saying to to me, I think because because they they are different, and I'm I'm sure that both men and women were in on this research as well, because you know, I'm sure of it. But there are a lot of differences and it does need, you do need to do both. So I, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, that well, was... I mean, I would, yeah, I would posit that clinical research, actually men and women's bodies are very different specifically because of our hormones. And right. so if you, if you're, you know, research for men is not appropriate to exactly. apply to female, yeah. right? which is what you were saying. Yes. Yes. So that's, that was my, that was my whole spiel about it. So I think yeah. it's, I think it's interesting that, it, you know, that a female cardiologist is the one that wrote that. Not, not that the heart math is specifically for women. It was not what I was saying. Um, but that, you know, a female cardiologist is the one that, that resonated mm -hmm. with you in that book. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, no, I think I do agree that it, it, it would be for both men and women However, I think it's it's interesting that that it that it it is very different for men and women. It is very different for for people to understand that you do have to go seek help in more than one way by more than one person as well. So not just taking one cardiologist's word for it. And I don't think people do that either. I don't think people seek more advice than maybe just one or two and don't they just think oh this is just what i am this is just what it is and it's not it's not that and you have to go mm -hmm. and research and find more opinions until you can get the answers that you need to feel better I, yeah I just, and i think that yeah i think our system gabby that's this third party payer system where you have insurance in between the customer and the caregiver is is really problematic because mm -hmm. you know we don't 
we just, we're so disconnected from the cost and yet we are, we are held back because if we have insurance, then well, insurance isn't going to pay for it. It, you know, these seeking multiple opinions is really hard to get that paid for. And so most people just can't afford it. And I think that's one of the problems. And I also, I want to just for your listeners out there, I want to highlight this fact that you left the office crying. And I can tell you, Gabby, until I, until I really had the strategy for healing from this deep fatigue every, so when, you know, that first year that you have a pacemaker, you're getting checkups regularly. Mm-hmm. And every time I left my pacemaker checkup and, and that first couple of years, I was seeing the electrophysiologist regularly too. It was like, it, my case was a very unusual case because of my age. And so every time I left, I left in tears, not in front of them, because honestly, my dignity, I was, my dignity meant something to me because I even took him the heart math information. I gave him a book and he just slept it off. Like stress has nothing to do with this. Yep. But every time I left in tears, when I got back to my car and I know that we're not alone in that. So what is it that we have this healing supposed to be healing system in our culture and we don't feel seen, we don't feel heard. And, and we, and this idea that you were 15 minutes from beginning to end. And I have the privilege of living in another country. Granted, I afforded the best healthcare in Brazil. I want to preface that that's not what all Brazilians afford. They have public health system, but not everybody afforded the healthcare I received. But in Brazil, it was never less than an hour. I want, I want, you know, imagine it was never less than an hour because they believed they needed to get to know you. Like I would go for my pediatric visits with my children. We would be there for an afternoon. They would serve coffee and, you know, my kids would be in and out. She would meet with each one individually. And so I, I'm really on this mission to inspire people to really think about what is the health care system that we have? And is it what we want? Is it a disease? I think it's a disease care Mm-hmm. And it's not even a healing disease care. It's not even healing. It's just a pharmacological way of trying to treat people and and tamper people down, if you will, just like um, not heal, but just can we just keep the symptoms at bay enough that they won't come back or that I don't have to treat them that much? Yeah, I think I will- that's the real the real issue we're dealing with with here in our system. Yeah, I will even say I when I first got sick i have hashimoto's when i first got sick i i wasn't even diagnosed by my primary care because she only tested my thyroid and i just tested my thyroid twice and it was within normal range i was actually diagnosed by um a a naturopathic doctor um of course you were i mean your story (laughs) i know some of course you were i mean you're Uh, it's they only what did she test tsh Yeah. She probably didn't do antibodies and all of that. Yeah. And when I, when I actually went on my path, I, you know, and then I go to the endocrinologist and I, but I had health insurance. So I wanted to use my health insurance because I was paying, you know, $200 at the time, $200 a month for health insurance, you know, and, uh, I had health insurance. So I wanted to go through my health insurance. And then it's like, you're still paying, you know, $65 a visit or, you know, whatever it was. And then 
after three years, I'd paid so much money out of pocket, even though I had health insurance. It's like, well, now do I go to another naturopath because I've already spent so much money and now it's going to be $150 and it's not covered by insurance. And at the end of the day, it really, it saved me money to go to, to somebody holistic instead of going to another doctor that's just going to tell me I'm fine because now I am healthy. <laughs> I am normal, normal, you know, better than I was. I still have my ups and downs. I always will, but I'm not sick anymore. I'm not being told I'm okay. I'm not spending $65 to walk in the door for my doctor to just shove drugs down my throat. You know, I, it's, oh, it's so frustrating. It's, it's, it's I know. And you know, the reality is we're not alone. And this is what is, you know, a real concern of mine is all the people who are being, who are not being served. And, and even Gabby, if we look at the whole, what I also see that I think is a disservice is in the holistic world over prescribing supplements. So you've got prescriptions, but because we've got that model that we have to take something on the holistic side, a lot of people think that they can supplement away symptoms Mm -hmm. and you can't, you have to do the deep inner healing work, the mind, body healing work. You can't, you know, if you've got gut dysbiosis until you deal with that, you're not even going to be utilizing those supplements. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be your, your gut won't be metabolizing them. So, you know, it's really interesting. We can go to the extremes and find um, how this system of popping a pill has influenced the way that we believe that we heal. Yeah. And even with supplements too, I mean, even if you are on supplements, it's not something you may necessarily need to be on all the time forever either. It might be Mm -hmm. something you need for a short period of time just to boost what, like Mm -hmm. vitamin D, you know, vitamin D may not be something Mm -hmm. you need to be on all the time forever. I mean, it probably Mm -hmm. isn't something you need to be on all the time forever. Maybe, you know, but um, yeah, it is, it is interesting. Um, So you, uh, you have a program called Vitality U. It's a, a holistic health roadmap is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really my coaching model. Vitally you is the framework and it's the Vitally process so. where I, no, that's okay. It's, it's the framework for how I look at a client who comes to me with health concerns. So it has to do with looking through the functional lens. So I do a full health history from pre-birth to current, and then I map it out on a functional, my school's functional matrix, where we look at antecedents, you know, what, you know, your genetic, what, what are the genetic components to your history? What were your triggers? So this is like full life. What are the things in your life that triggered some different symptoms that you've had? And what are the mediators? What are the things that make your symptoms better or worse? Then we look at all the systems of the body, including your mind spirit system and community, um, your musculoskeletal system, your digestive system, your hormones, um, your detox systems. We look at all those symptoms and where do your symptoms fall into the systems because one symptom will impact multiple systems. And I know I've heard you say on your podcast before that it's all connected. Like you can't individually individually out one area um, the way that we do medicine. And then we have the strategy. And so, 
you know, this is a living document. And um, so the Vitally You, I really believe that you can feel younger growing older. That's my podcast, Vitally You, Feeling Younger Growing Older, because you can like, look, look where you were when you were trying to figure out your thyroid issues and where you are today. If we can step into a different model and do the inner healing. So that's where the, you know, I really believe in the mind body connection. So you really have to bring your belief system, your thoughts, you really have to look at what's my emotional experience and, and then what's happening in the body. And you got to weave all of that together. And that's, that really is the vitally you program. So if people wanted to find uh, your program or find you, where did they do that? Yeah, very easy. Um, through my website, I have a contact page. It's danafrost.com. I am active on Instagram, Dana Frost, Vitally You. I have my podcast, Vitally You. So any of those places, they could contact me. And an email is just dana at danafrost.com. Perfect. I will, I'll definitely link that in the show notes so that they can have that. Uh, is there anything you want to, oh, by the way, I love that. It's a living document. I think that was just the perfect, <laughs> I love that. I think that's a like such a perfect sentiment because it, it is it, very much so. But um, is there anything else that you want to leave our listeners with today? Yeah. I mean, I, I'll, I'll touch on that because, you know, as humans, this, our body is nature. We come from nature and we are nature. And so nature is always changing. Like you said, Gabby, you said, you know, you have Hashimoto, like you feel really well. Sometimes you have a flare. We need to be gentle with ourselves and understand that, you know, we ebb and flow because life ebb and ebbs and flows. We have different stressors. We've got toxic stress, toxin stressors that we're exposed to. You know, we go through a global pandemic, we have a work crisis, and then the body is going to be responding to all of this. And so it's very dynamic, this experience of being a human, it's very dynamic and, you know, be gentle with yourself. And most of the time it's not pushing forward. It's actually surrendering and just leaning back, leaning back instead of like push, push, push. Mm hmm. Very much so. And I think, I think you're right, just just like you said in the beginning that, you know, we keep pushing forward and saying it's going to be okay. And, you know, especially not even just as women, men do it too. And I think men mm -hmm. are even sometimes worse because they don't deal with emotions or deal with feelings the way women do. Um, you know, we just keep moving forward and not and not dealing or handling things the way we should we don't move just address it like address mm -hmm. what we're dealing with address what's going on in life we just keep going and push it down push mm -hmm. it down push it down and and that affects us emotionally affects us physically until we just can't do it mm -hmm. anymore so mm -hmm. deal with your yeah, problems okay <laughs> i'll say i'll say one more thing the healing journey really like I, I had you and I want, you know, imagine. So I have the pacemaker implanted. I take my daughter to college two weeks later. I still have four kids at home and I'll tell you what, what I had to do. And so if you're on a healing journey, you're going to have to make it a big focus of your life. Like I ended up having to rest, take a nap every day for a year. I did acupuncture once a week for a year. 
And so sometimes you actually really need to let go of a lot of things and just focus on the healing journey. Mm -hmm. And that's all I'll say. (laughs) Yep. I'm right there with you. I, I believe in all of it. And acupuncture as well, I think is great. I think you have to take care of yourself in order to take care of everything else around you. So, mm-hmm. and, and in order to be physically healthy as well. So, uh, thank you, Dana, so much for coming on the show. Uh, DanaFrost.com. Uh, I will have Vitali, Vitally You um, linked on the show notes as well. So you can um, find her podcast also. But thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will see you all next week. <laughs>